Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Thursday, January 28th, 2016. I'm Michael Agello of HockeyBuzz.com, and I'm pleased to be joined once again by the former assistant general manager, of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Mr. Bill Waters. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Mike. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs reached the all-star break with a record of 17-22-9, the least amount of regulation victories in the, in the National Hockey League, tied for last place uh, in the standings with the Columbus Blue Jackets and Edmonton Oilers, although the Leafs have a couple games in hand on both. Um, the outlook, Bill, I mean, at the beginning of the season, I said there were four teams I thought would finish at the bottom. Three of them are right now in the playoff race, Arizona, Carolina, and New Jersey. The one that I got right was Toronto. Uh, they're living up or, I guess, down to expectations. Yeah, I think it's the first time since um, Pat Quinn left uh, that they've had a plan and have stuck to it. Pat's plan was to make the playoffs and hopefully advance. And we did that every time that we had the opportunity, uh, advanced to the conference finals twice. But uh, we're always near the top of the pack. There was never any doubt. And now the Leafs with Brendan Shanahan have a new plan, and that is to rebuild. I I think that they're doing a magnificent job of that. They're in position to finish in the bottom five, which is what they want. There are five good highly recommended, highly qualified young players that are available, and uh, I don't think they'll have any problem getting a franchise player out of that group. So uh, if you look at it uh, as far as Brendan Shanahan's plan is going, it's going extraordinarily well. Yeah. um, Interestingly, this was the plan of the management all along, I agree. I mean, Mike Babcock, when he joined the club, in last May, you know, he said there was going to be pain. But, and I know that a coach can't go in and with a, just sort of like a, a air of resignation say, oh, well, this is the team that they have. Although he did say something like that uh, in a press conference a little under two weeks ago when Van Riemsdyk got hurt and he explained that, uh, you know, there was nobody on the team to score. But it, it just, it seems to me that Babcock, there's a level of frustration there. You know, he didn't even heed his own words. There was pain. You knew this team was going to be bad. But after two months of them finish, playing over 500 hockey, hockey they're 3-7-2 and two in January, and this team is what it is. I, I'm just a little surprised that he's so frustrated that he didn't expect what was going to happen. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think he's, he's uh, exhibited a verbal frustration, but I don't think he's frustrated. Uh, you look at the teams that he coached in Detroit and in Anaheim, for that matter. He knows when he's got a team that's capable of making the playoffs, and he knows he's got it when he's got a team that is a part of a rebuilding process. And he has come to that conclusion that this is the rebuilding process team. But that doesn't mean that he t- takes his foot off the gas pedal. I mean, I, I I use the most recent example, the game last night. That 
after the first period, that was Toronto's game. If they've got one guy who can score goals, they score three or four on Vasilevsky. I don't care how well he plays. They had opportunities to bury the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, on a game that was a must-win for them because it put them into second place in their division, and that's where they belong at least. And uh, I, I just I, I thought it was a must game for Tampa, and I was so impressed by the way the Leafs, A, adjusted after the first period, and adjustment is coaching. And they adjusted to the point where they were down 17-1 to 1 in shots. The next 29 shots, the Leafs had 22 of them. Mm. Now that's coaching. It doesn't win all the time because if you don't have somebody that can score on a 22-5 to 5 advantage, you're not going anywhere. But I think Mike's aware of that. And when he gets frustrated, he talks about the lack of goals. Is that better than you and I and anyone else? He is quite uh, comfortable with the fact that he doesn't have goal scoring, but he's following the plan laid out by his boss. Yeah, I mean, I calculated over the last five games, the team has gotten off to a pretty slow start in the last five. Uh, the first half of the first period, I have a lot of time on my hands, Bill. The first, yeah. the, first, the first half of the first period in the last five games, they've been outshot 50 to 2. I oh, mean, yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, then, you know, there's something wrong there. But again, I, is that simply just the fact that, I mean, he's a very hard driving coach. He, he, he's, he's working these players hard. I don't think the talent is there. And now the fact that Van Riemsdyk, who's their, probably their best offensive player, he's going to be gone until March, you know, you're sort of whipping a dead horse. I, I just don't know if there's a lot more that he can get out of a, you know, subpar group. Well, yeah, I don't think there is. I, I, I think if you're a Leaf fan, you, you certainly would be frustrated if you don't pay attention. But if you pay attention, you're expecting what you're getting right now. Mm-hmm. And if you sit down and do the exercise, which of the group, how many of that group is going to be with the Leafs when they make the playoffs? And very, very few. Morgan Riley, maybe Nazem Kadri if Lou Lamorello wants him in the ditch with him. Uh, maybe William Nylander. Uh, maybe Gardner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you 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 you're you're, you're hard pressed to get four or five that are going to be the types of players if you're going to consider them in your top six. You, you know, Kadri can play in your bottom six. He should be playing in the top six, and he he starts out against uh, Florida on Tuesday night like he was a world beater. He can't sustain it. It's too small, and you can't put him as a number one center because that's your that's your horse. So they've got to find, and if, if William Nylander is a number one center, then I'm misreading the number one centers. So I, I just, I, I think it's it's a push to get five or six guys, and if you're stuck with enough for the rest of a seven-year deal, that ain't rebuilding. That's moving sideways. Well, I think the aspiration of a lot of Leaf fans are uh, that their number one center would be a player wearing blue and white, but not the Leafs blue, blue and white last night at the Amelie Arena wearing number 91 who scored the game-winning goal. Um, and just to go on that for a minute, because whenever we talk about the Leafs, you have to talk about the possibility of Stamkos. And, yeah. Um, in the, on the broadcast last night, you know, the uh, uh, some of the commentators at Sportsnet had mentioned Detroit, had mentioned Montreal, had mentioned him staying in Tampa, but didn't mention Toronto. 
um, to me, and maybe I'm my view is Johnist, if he doesn't stay in Tampa, I think the Leafs are the leading contender based on a number of factors. But, I mean, just to ask you, the, the offer came out, or at least it was leaked this week, uh, by Elliott Friedman of Sportsnet that Tampa Bay had tabled an offer of eight and a half million times eight years for Steven Santos. To me, Bill, that's on the verge of being an insulting offer. Yeah, it is. If in fact you buy the theory that Steven Stamkos is the equal of Jonathan Taves, Steven Stamkos is a good guy's Alexander Ovechkin. Mm-hmm. And Alexander Ovechkin is overpaid at ten million. I just think that Chicago so skewed the whole operation by giving money that they didn't have to give, and because they have it, and they have lots. And Tampa Bay doesn't have that kind of money. The owner does, but he's not going to he's not going to spit spit it all out uh, just to pay uh, Steven Stamkos. I've talked to Phil Esposito, who's their <coughs> radio uh, color guy, and. Phil's close to the team, and, and he knows that they have a limitation as to what they can pay Stamkos and sign all the rest of those good young players, which makes them a good young team. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that 9.5 to 10 is going to be the extent. Now, if the reaction to 8.5 as being an embarrassment comes from Steven Stamkos and his group, then he's not going to play for Tampa. They're not, they can't afford to pay him more than 10, and if 8.5 is an embarrassment, then they're after more than 10. I think the biggest player in all of these negotiations, as you know, is not the agent. It's the Players Association. So that's why they want another player at 10, 10.5. Raises the ceiling, gives them another. There's three guys up at that level. And Anze Kopitar at 10, I mean, he's a good player, but is he worth 10? I don't know. Two Stanley Cups, I guess it depends on the value you put on a Stanley Cup. I, I know I'd take a 25-year-old Stamkos at 10 for eight years ahead of a 30-year-old Anze Kopitar. But that's me. That's not the Los Angeles Kings. So you're going to have uh, Anze Kopitar playing the last four years of a, of a $10 million contract from 34 to 38. You're going to have Steven Stamkos in the last four years at, let's say, 9.5. He's going to be playing from uh, 25, 33. He's going to be playing from uh, 30 to 34. A lot of difference. A lot of difference yeah. in the value, a lot of difference in the risk. So I I hope that they can get closer to 10 and sign Steven Stamkos. And Stamkos says, okay, 9.5 isn't what I wanted. I really wanted 10.5 or 11. But I'm going to take advantage of what I have down here. And what do I have down here? I have a hockey team that's going to compete for the Stanley Cup for the next five years, and if you don't believe it, have a look at Vasilevsky and all of the others that they have. And I am also going to live in a climate that I've become quite accustomed to and in a tax climate that is very favorable to Stephen Stamkos. You can still go to Toronto at 34. They'll be lined up for you. So I, I hope that Stephen Stamkos stays in Tampa. I know his family, I know his mom and dad have socialized with them uh, infrequently, but um, usually at a Christmas party. And I find them to be the salt of the earth type of people. And based on what I have seen and heard of Steven Stamkos, he's the same. He has a loyalty to that team. 
the only way you don't want to ruin the loyalty is to be offended by 8.5 million. And I don't, I haven't heard Stephen Stamkos say that. I'll wait for Don Meehan to say it. But if in yeah. fact it is true, Mike, and I just extend it one more time. If in fact it is true, the party is over. If they don't budge, the party is over. When they come to Don Meehan and Stephen Stamkos on the uh, 28th of uh, February or on the 14th of February, whatever they choose, and say, hey, uh, we, we, we want you to get four teams that you'd move to or three. And uh, the answer will be, in no uncertain terms, your offer was offensive. It was embarrassing. We are not giving you anything other than the best we have until the conclusion of the season with the hopes of winning a Stanley Cup. See you on July 1st. That's what I do. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think I don't think that it's fair to say it's embarrassing, Steve I, I, or Mike. I, I really think that when you look at it objectively, you know it, that, that's not a bad starting offer. You you know you're going to have to pay more, but if you end up making an eight-year deal at nine and a half, you 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 hit the you've hit the target. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm taking into consideration the uh, the the history of Newport Sports and like trying hitting the home run that they did with Brad Richards. Now I know that there's differences. In yeah, but they were dealing with Glenn Sather there. They were dealing with an insurmountable pile of money that Glenn had total and autonomic control over, with right. no regard to winning or losing. You can't lose money in New York. I mean, Sather's proven that for the number of years he's had the money to win the Stanley Cup and hasn't come close. And, and I think there's an aspect of that in Toronto. I mean, I know that the, the head of Sportsnet came out in an interview in the Toronto Star last week and said that the ratings were for the Maple Leafs and for Hockey Night in Canada and for the Sportsnet uh, package on Saturday and Sunday night was down 20%, and that was directly correlated to, to the you know to the Leafs, and, and they're, they're suffering right now. I mean, I think there's going to be subtle pressure on Shanahan to, you know, not abandon the rebuild because I don't think he's going to do that, but I think they need a star to build around. And Stamkos, as you said, you know, he'll be 26 if he, when he signs his new deal. He's young enough that to this team built around him as a centerpiece, he'd be 28 or 29 when they're ready to ready to contend in, you know, in, yep. in a perfect world. Yep. Um, I, I just think the the scenario with L.A., if you use the Kopitar situation and Stamkos, as, as a comparable, you look at L.A. and Lombardi has locked up Quick, Dowdy, Gaverick, Carter, all you know the, the defensemen yeah. Muzzin and Martinez. He's locked up everybody. Everybody's on a long-term deal, so he had co- he had cost certainty and he could sign Kopitar for that ten million. I agree with your point. Four or five years down the down the line, that's going to be a bad deal. Yeah. If you look at what what Eiserman has to deal with, everybody Kucherov, Kalorn. Johnson, Palat, Bishop, Hedman are all UFA or RFA in the next two years. Yeah. I don't think they can offer Stamkos anything more than nine or nine and a half. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, Mike. It's a completely different situation, and uh, it's because of the team's success, but you still have to look at how Lombardi has done it, and how he's done it is by the first, the, the key one was Jeff Carter. They got Philadelphia convinced Carter and his agent to sign a long-term deal at $5.5 million. And Carter turns out to be arguably their best player. Now, he's never going to get to the table to get the 10 that, uh, uh, that uh, Andre Kopitar gets. But I'm telling you right now, Andre Kopitar is taking a lot of 
Jeff Carter's salary because he wouldn't have gotten it otherwise. If they paid Carter what he was worth, he's an eight or nine million dollar player. So anyway, there's no sense of hypothetically analyzing what could have been or what might have been. The thing that you have to recognize is if Stamkos is coming, and I'm not suggesting he won't, although I would be surprised if he goes to Toronto. If he does, they got to get rid of the player that they've been trying to get rid of all year and uh, has played well for them this year. It's Phaneuf. They can't have, they can't handle Phaneuf seven million. They got right. so many guys that are making money above and beyond their means and their contribution that they just will not be able to do it. And I would hope that uh, that's part of Brendan Shanahan's plan. But as part of the plan, I would think that Stamkos would say, "Well, you're trying to trade Phaneuf. He's your best defenseman," and uh, he has to say that somewhat with tongue in cheek. But keep in mind, Phaneuf is represented by the same company as Stamkos. They know what's going on. They know he's being traded. He's trying to be traded. But the Leafs is not. The Leafs are not a team that I would, as a free agent, go to unless Toronto meant so much to me and it meant so much to my parents for me to come home. If that's a part of it, then do it. But if it's not, don't do it. Right. Yeah. No. I, mean, I, th- I think that's a part of it, but I also think it's the opportunity. If, to, if he goes to Toronto, he's probably going to be the highest-paid player at least for a little while. I mean, he'll, I think they, they will have to eclipse 10-5 that Cades and Kane are making to, to get the deal done. And obviously, you know, you have $7 million in Sonos. They're probably going to have to retain a million and a half or $2 million of that salary. But yeah. that's the benefit of having that Nathan Horton deal for four more years. You have yeah. a, basically a $5.3 million coupon you can cash every year to sort of allay the cost. Yeah, three more years, yeah. I think, after this one, uh, <clears throat> Mike, if my memory serves me correctly. But it doesn't matter. It's a wonderful cushion to have when you've wasted so much money in the Dave Nolanis era. Yeah, and, uh, and, and I think also you're going to probably see if, if they don't find a team uh, willing to roll the dice, I think you're probably going to see the buyout of uh, Joffrey Lupo at the end of this year because his his contract was front loaded, so the cap hit would be a million five times four years. Mm-hmm. Again, that's that's the same length as Horton's deal. So, and he's yeah. really not producing that much. So, I yeah, I think they no, he's they, a he's an anomaly. I, he's he's. Uh, uh, he, he just you, you don't know where he, when he's going to show his stuff and how often he is. He's a great goal scorer. He's got great offensive skills, but doesn't show them often enough to justify a five million dollar deal. Now I wanted to I wanted to ask you about you know the workings of the trade deadline. I mean I know that an article came out earlier in the week from uh, James Myrtle, the Globe and Mail, saying that you know after that five game regulation losing streak that the Leafs had a couple weeks ago. Uh, that Lula Morello started casting his net throughout the league regarding, you know, here, here are my players, here are the ones I'm listening to offers on, go ahead and make your offers. You know, you worked under Pat Quinn, you handled negotiations for possible trades. Is it simply Lula Morello sending an email to the 29 other general managers saying, okay, here's my list, here are the guys, make your offers, or does he contact them? individually by phone, or does he delegate some of those responsibilities to like an assistant like Kyle Dubas? How, how does it work? Well, I can only say how it worked when I was there. We did not 
send out an email with an order sheet on it. In other words, here are the players available, because we were never in that position. We were usually a buyer. I think it's dangerous to send out an email saying, here are the people that are available, because it will become public within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And that can be offensive to the group that you're trying to win with or trying to be respectable with. So I don't think Lou would do that. I think what he's done is he's spent time on the phone uh, talking to general managers about players who might be available because there wouldn't be a lot calling him. Let's face it, go down, up and down the group. You're not going to get the door knocked down to get any of them. However, having said that, and I think you and I talked about this off air, there's only five or six teams that are going to be sellers this year because of the parity in the league and the way that each division is so closely uh, fought. So as a result, if you've only got five sellers, those players who are the people that you are trying to dispose of have an increased value because of supply and demand. There's not a, there's not a significant supply, so you have a high demand. And uh, if, in fact, you're looking to augment your team on a rental basis. So it, it's so bad that I think you tried to convince me, or someone did, that P.A. Parenteau would bring a third-round pick. Now hold it, Newt. She's heading for the rhubarb on that one. This guy has been free agent three times, and he has been resurrected at least four times. And if somebody gives a third-round pick for P.A. Parenteau, you and I are going to do a show on it because we're going to have to figure out how the hell that happened. But let's say it does happen. P.A. Parenteau has had a good year in Toronto. Couldn't play in Montreal. Colorado didn't want him. And the Islanders, he left because of free agency. They didn't want to pay him what he wanted. So he's been around the horn, the East and the West. They know his style. Babcock has got him playing better than he's ever played. But they know that once he gets away from that, he'll fall back to the style in which, to which he was accustomed. So he's, he's a risk at, at a third-round pick for me. I don't, but that's the top of the list other than Polak. I don't know how much Polak will draw. But you know that Brad Boys is going to draw a four, five, six, that type of draft pick. Uh, and if they want to try and dump Matthias, I think he's got another year left. He might be a useful fourth-round pick guy. But they're going to have a hard time getting a third-round pick for anybody other than Reimer. And Reimer might be the right guy to sign for, you know, two years. As rumor has it he's going to get a five-year deal. I don't, I don't, I don't know where that rumor came from. Uh, if, it, came, it, it, it came from uh, uh, Darren Drager from TSN. He had talked to a couple NHL execs who said that Reimer, the way he's playing, um, he could get a contract comparable to the Dubnik deal with yep. Minnesota or the Cam Talbot deal. Although, you know, he, Cam Talbot's deal was three years, and Reimer, you know, his speculation was up to five, five or more years at yeah. more than four million. Yes. Well, I, I, I hope, don't know. I, yeah. I hope for James Reimer, but th- that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I. I like James Reimer as a backup who can play 30 games. And he can play 30 games. He, he might be their number one guy, but you saw what happened last night. There was nothing wrong with Bernier's goaltending. And it's so infrequent that it happens that you can almost say, well, maybe that's the way he should play. He had no chance on the Stamco shot. The rest of them he handled. So I, I, I'm, I'm somewhat ambivalent as to where – I don't think Bernier is ever going to be a number one goaltender in Toronto. No doubt in my mind of that. But I'm not sure now that if he got with the right team, he wouldn't be able to do the job. So uh, 
maybe they could trade Bernier. I don't know. There was some uh, in interest in Calgary, according to the sources that uh, come up with information that nobody else does. Uh, I don't know. I, I just so I don't think he's one of the guys they could, that they can move. They're they're not going to move both goalies, obviously. Uh, but uh, I, I, I do. There's I do too many question it. marks over both goalies. As the number one guy, Bernier has a major series of question marks. And as the number two guy, the question mark over Reimer is, can he become the number one guy? I do think they're going to move one of them, though, Bill, because if, you, if, if you've noticed, Ray Emery, who they signed to a, a, a PTO contract when the injuries were happening in December, yes. and Bebo was up backing up, uh, backing up Bernie, or backing up Reimer, um, he's still around. He's, yes. hanging, he's still hanging around on, a, on an AHL PTO yeah. with everybody back to where they were. So yeah. I, I, believe, I believe once they trade one of these goaltenders that Ray Emery is going to slip into the backup role in Toronto and they keep the young guys down with the, down with the Marlies. Yeah, well, so I, yeah. you could very well be right. Ray Emery has played some pretty solid goals since he had that necrosis in his hip, which has almost ended his life, let alone his career. I mean, one one thing, and and I I agree with your assessment. I mean, I I think the the general consensus out there is that they're going to be able to get a second round pick for Roman Polak because defensemen are a commodity now. The the yep. thing is, and and I'm wondering whether Lamorella will approach it in this way. As you said, and as I said in my article yesterday, they're one of the few sellers right now. Around February 29th, there might be 10 sellers. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that the price, the return for Polak is going to go up significantly between now and February yep. 29th. I would move him now, especially since the fact he's a shot-blocking, rough-and-tumble defenseman who could get hurt very easily. You're risking holding on that guy for maybe an extra like deep, a late-round pick when you can get basically, I think, a second-round pick now. I'm wondering whether Lamorello will jump early and sort of set the market rather than wait and try to get a little extra. Well, I remember the only comparison I had was when we, 2002, uh, Jim Rutherford was going to move Glenn Wesley and give him a chance to play with a team that had a chance. Right. And so we offered, as I recall, we offered the, the Hurricanes a third-round pick. And there were a lot of people that were um, interested. And finally, Jimmy said, look, if you want them, I want your second-round pick, and I'll make the deal right now. So we made it, and that's what you're talking about. Somebody's going to say, and Roman Polak ain't no Glenn Wesley, but in different parts of his game, he can contribute to a team's success in ways that Wesley couldn't. So he might be worth a second-round pick on a, a team that says, you know, we need a little toughness, a guy that's going to stick his nose in and play uh, in front of the net so that it's not – guys sitting around waiting to pot shot the goalie and Polak may be that guy so I, I I don't I don't think you're entirely wrong on the second round pick it could very easily work out that way and uh if I were the Leafs I would sign Polak to a new contract two or three years and and see the, the thing is they might they might just do that I mean I won't, with Daniel Winnick last year they trade him for two draft picks and then they re-sign him in the summer I mean, yeah. there's nothing to say. I mean, you know, these players. I mean, Matthias is on a one-year deal. Grabner's on a one-year deal. All you know, it's Nick Spall. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to get tons for these guys because some of them 
are role players at best, but it makes no sense to keep them when you can re-sign them in the summer and they're going to be looking for jobs. And yeah. you know what the market is like right now with the cap probably not going up. You know, there are going to be a lot of free agents who are in the same position as guys like Lee Stempniak and Brad Boyce who are going to be taking, you know, amateur or taking tryouts in training camps next year. They can get those players back. I, you know, a guy like a guy like Polak, yeah, I think they'll have to re-sign for two or three years, but you can't pass up the opportunity to get a draft pick when you can't. No, I don't disagree. I mean, that's what they brought them here for. Uh, in Polak's case, they gave up Gunnarsson, but uh, and generally speaking, they just signed them because nobody else wanted them, or they signed them because they'd pay them more than anybody else would. And money is what MLSE has got lots of, and draft picks is what they want to use the money for. And this is the way of doing it. Well, and this, and this is, and I'm wondering whether this will play out, and this will be the most interesting thing because you know, getting a third round pick for PA Parento is it's, it's interesting, but it's not that interesting. No. What I'm what I'm going to be interested in is to see whether, and the Leafs have started to do this under Shanahan's leadership, is use the financial might of the organization to their benefit. The, the Horton deal was one aspect. They have, you know, they 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 put him on long term injury. They opened up about six million dollars in cap space. Yeah. They have they have Stefan Robida who disappeared after the preseason, who's been out all year. I believe they're probably going to assign him to LTIR before the deadline. That'll open up another three million dollars in cap space if they're close to the cap. So they can use that if they take on salary, and that's what I'm wondering whether they're going to do a situation. And I'll use this as an example, Bill. Brian Bickle with the Chicago Blackhawks. Yep. Already sent to the AHL, $3 million on their books, even though he's been demoted. He's got another year. Next year is a rebuilding year for the Leafs again. They're going to be looking for bodies to play on the bottom six. If they take Brian Bickle off the Blackhawks' hand for a significant draft pick, it opens up $3 million in cap space for Stan Bowman to go out and get one more piece of the puzzle to get them yep. to try to repeat a Stanley Cup. I think that is something that Lamorello has to be at, looking out to do. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the only, there's only one problem with that. If Mike Babcock says no, I don't want Bickle. He's lazy. He doesn't do what he has to do to play on a team that's. He's a front runner. I mean, I mean, I don't know that he is. I'm just telling you right. reasons why Mike. Mike Babcock controls the roster, and if he says, "Yeah, I'll take Bickle, I'll move him in," just but keep in mind he'll be playing on the fourth line at three million bucks. Now, if if that's okay, then let them go ahead. But nobody's going to do anything of, of, among and between the top twenty-five players without Babcock's okay. Well, you bring that up, and you see the the control and the power that Babcock has over the roster. Frank Corrado plays last night. I think it was his fifth game. He's been on the team all year. Yeah. When when Polak gets traded, there's no option. He's got to play Corrado. They're not yeah. gonna, they're not going to, you know, Scott Harrington is down in, with the Marlies. He's injured. They're not going to call up any of the kids. I don't think they're going to call up a Stuart Percy or TJ Brennan or anything like that. I think that finally Corrado will get his chance. But he's going to have to wait 55 games to actually get his chance. And the reason is because he wasn't at training camp and Mike Babcock doesn't want to play him. Yep. Oh, no, that's pretty obvious. I mean, I, 
But I, I knew that when Lou came. And I could never figure out why Brendan brought him other than as a security blanket. And that's all, in all due respect to Lou. Lou's record as a general manager in charge speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. But as a guy who's overseeing the Toronto Maple Leafs and make sure that Brendan Shanahan looks good on everything that's done, it's a terrible waste of money. Um, one quick question here before we end it, Bill. Um, the, I, I've never been a big fan of the All-Star game. Um, the three-on-three is a gimmick. I, it, it'll make well, some people watch just to see if it's a little more entertaining. The million dollars being put up is a gimmick. Um, but now you have players, and this is not a new thing, but you have Alex Ovechkin dropping out because of a, you know, in finger quotes, injury. There's talk about Jonathan Taves dropping out because of an injury. John Scott is the team captain in the Pacific Division. Have we reached the point where the All-Star game is pointless? Well, it's pointless, but there's a lot of money in it. It's, it's, a, it's a vehicle for the NHL marketing department to enhance its brand and to treat its partners, that is, their sponsors, to a good weekend. That's all it is, because as you've just pointed out, there's ample reason for it to stop because you don't want people making up excuses for their players if in fact uh, they need to do that in order to get the rest i i don't think we'll ever see the end of it and mike i'm comfortable with the changes they've made i think the three-on-three could be very exciting and if it's that it's way ahead of any all-star game i've seen in my memory and so they've moved ahead that way. I hope that you, at the end of it, say, well, it was a heck of a lot better than the last 10. And that's all they can do is try and make it better. And I, I, I understand that part, side of the business. This is a big weekend for the NHL marketing department and uh, trying to resell their packages. And uh, I, I, I can see what they're doing is solely a marketing and partner-enhancing weekend, nothing more, nothing less. And if you can make one part of that 60 minutes of hockey entertaining and exciting, you have accomplished a great deal because there hasn't been very much of it in the past 20 years. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to watch it just to see what happens with John Scott. I'll probably watch the... uh the uh, you know the skating and the shooting contest on on Saturday you know the the skills competition uh, just to see how how funny that is but uh, yeah I mean the game has had a lot to be desired and maybe the three on three will bring a little excitement I mean I I heard somebody uh, in one of our webcasts a couple of days ago uh, one of the commentators said that uh, you know they they wouldn't be surprised if there's actually some hitting and some competition because there's money um, yeah yeah. You know, I, and, and I'm like, if that happens, watch out for Leo Komarov laying out somebody because that's what Leo Komarov does. Yeah. Well, that might be the way to play the game. And, and you know, money money is the great equalizer. Even if it's only, whatever, 90000 a player for the winner. I, I don't know how they worked that out on a, on, uh, on a million bucks. But it, anyway. Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's petty cash, and that's what Scott's there for. That's why he's there. His lawyer said, hey, either pay him now or let him go and see if he can earn it. You're not going to preclude him from a, a financial opportunity that means something to him. 
but the, the, that whole Scott thing has tainted what should have been a new frontier in all-star classics, as far as I'm concerned. And I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's not as bad as you think it's going to be. Oh, I'll be an interested observer. And, uh, Bill, once again, thank you very much for coming on. Um, I will definitely want to have you on before the, uh, the trade deadline on February 29th. Uh, it's going to be, I think, the only thing that's going to be really interesting for Maple Leaf fans over the next month and over the next couple of months is watching who gets traded and, and then um, how they finish the season and whether they win the lottery and get the first pick or whatever they get. But that's, yeah, that's, that's his... Yeah. yeah, that's a good conclusion to draw, Mike. Yeah. For Bill Waters, this is Michael Ajello of HockeyBuzz.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks, Bill. Great okay, job. Mike, are you finished with me? Yep, yep, I'm good. Okay, good. Thanks, Mike. I'll talk to you. Call me when you need me. I will. Last week Thanks there before the, the trade deadline would be probably the best. Yeah, yeah, I, definitely. I'll, I'll be here. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yep. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.